I think this is our third class, right, Yaf, or our fourth class? Yeah, I think it's number four. Okay, and if anyone would like to, all these, this info you can actually easily find online. We are reading out of Rambam, Hilchais Shoftim, Hilchais Melachim, Perek Achad Asr, Perek Yud Aleph. We left off explaining why Rambam emphasizes not only the importance, the fundamental importance to Jewish faith in believing that Melech HaMashiach Asad Lamoid, that the King Mashiach will in the future get back up, will, re- will arrive, but one also needs to um, have a tremendous amount of yearning for it, awaiting for it, desire for it, and then the Ramam wrote in the negative that if someone does not, not only are they denying, not only are they denying that which it writes in the prophets, but they are also denying, right, that which it says in the Torah. They deny the Torah and in Moshe Rabbein. That's where we left off and we're going to continue here inside. Baruch Now, the prophets are filled with the recording of future events. Many of them are recording about the Messianic era, all of the wonders that will happen for the Jewish people and in the world during that era. The prophets are filled not only with the redemption that will come to this world, but with a person. Again, we, the Ramam defines Moshiach as a king who is going to usher all of that in. That is clear. But when the Rambam says that if one denies the coming of Mashiach, or if one does not await his coming, he's denying the five books of Moses, he's, devi- he's denying Moshe Rabbeinu, yeah? Where do you have in the Chumash, where do you have in the Chumash Chumshetayra, anything about Mashiach? It's a shocking question, but it's good to ask it. This question is really a broader question, something that the Rambam addresses in length, in his Guide for the Perplexed. One of, one of another of the 13 principles of faith is the faith that God will reward and punish. And all of us, those of us who had the schus of being born into a fruma home, those of us who have the schus of becoming what we call a Baal or Baalas Shuva, one of the earlier things that we learn about Yiddishkeit is that this world is not the end all. There's a world to come. There's a world to come. And the world to come refers to many different phases, one of which refers to the world of the souls. It's after a person passes away, the body is that which is laid to rest. The neshama goes on. The neshama goes to a higher place. Now, where does that say in the Torah? Can you show me one verse in the Torah that even hints to what we would call an afterlife? I'm asking that question in the context of what we're learning. Can you find me a verse in the Torah that speaks about the Messianic the Messianic era? And how strange would that be if the Torah doesn't even allude to it? So what says you? Is there any verse in the Torah that alludes to an afterlife? Anyone know? Maybe when we do certain mitzvahs, are there any mitzvahs that say things are for the afterlife? It says explicitly time and again that the Torah speaks a lot about punishment and reward, but all of the reward and punishment in the Torah is of physical nature. Like, for example, when we read the Shema, this is not the only place, you know, that if we'll... Right, there's going to be good agriculture, there's going to be good rain. This is not only in Bahayim Shemaya, this is Mamish throughout the Torah. There is a lot about reward and punishment. All of it are physical things, all of it. What about Karis? Isn't that a spiritual? Well, the Karis is not defined. What about the Valley of the Bones that come back to life? Very good, very good. So again, you are bringing, you are bringing a, a, a long explicit event recorded in the prophets. I am not referring to the prophets. I'm referring to the five books of Moses. And I want to argue even more, even even that which you quoted from the VM, that's only about the resurrection of the dead. That's not about... 
That's not about afterlife. I remember once um, you mentioned there's something about Avram and Sarah in the afterlife. Um, oh, I mentioned a lot, but none of this is written in the Chumash. No, make no mistake. One second. We believe in an afterlife. It's mamish. It's one of the print. It's mamish. It's one of the foundations of Yiddishkeit. That there is a soul. That the soul goes back to where it came from. Th- that statement is not written in the five books of Moshe. So first of all, the question is why not? It there. There's very little about spirituality in the Torah. If you want to look at it that way, bechlal. Everything is very tangible. It's all tangibles. Now, interestingly, the days of Mashiach is a tangible. The days of Mashiach, specifically the way Rambam will describe them in next chapter, will not be some sort of spiritual existence. The days of Mashiach, as we started, very much like the function of Mashiach, is to restore the observance of the mitzvahs, the days of Mashiach will be the time that all the Jews will be keeping all the mitzvahs. Dafka not in a, in, in, a, in a soulful world. Dafka in a physical world. So at least that which is tangible is recorded in the Torah. Where do we have Mashiach recorded in the Torah? No, guys, I'm not, there's a reason why the Torah doesn't mention the world of souls, but I want to stay focused over here. These are like the big questions. Like Mashiach, Mashiach is a Yusoid. Where is it written in the Torah? This that Ammam says, the Torah has in it three places where the Torah is alluding to Mashiach. Shahadei. And then Ammam brings all three of them. Number one, number two, number three. Number one, the Ammam is going out of the chronological order of the five books of Moses. The first one, is, the first one that the Ammam is quoting is actually written last. It's written in the portion of Nitzavim, which is mamish towards the end of the entire Chumash. Right, towards the end of the of the Vodim. There it says, the Torah testified on him, as it says, that God will bring back, God will bring back all of the Jewish people, and he will have mercy on us, and he will return, and he will ingather us. And then the Torah goes even more, that even if you're going to be scattered to the ends of the heavens, uh, there's a Yiddish uh, person buried in the heavens, right? What's his name? Gil, Gil, Ramon, I think his name was, the, the Jewish astronaut. In other words, no matter where a Jew is going to be, he's going to come back home. So first of all, the Rambam quotes a Pasuk in Parshas Netzavim. As is the system... A, a idea is mentioned in brief. It's like a kernel in the five books of Moshe. And then it's developed, it's unpackaged, it evolves in the rest of the prophets. So the other prophets are filled with the returning of the exiles. The Torah mentions it in brief, but it mentions it explicitly. Now guys, have uh, appreciate one thing. This Pasuk or this Psukim that we have explicit. It's not a hint, it's explicit that God is going to gather in all of us no matter how far we're scattered, God will bring us back even if we're scattered in the edges of the heavens. This Pasuk is not really speaking about the person Moshiach. And as we spoke out in our intro, and that's a very important intro, this concept, that there are two separate topics that are co-related but they're separate. One is the Messianic era, which, which includes the in gathering of the exiles. One is about a person who will be in charge of this process. A person who's going to usher in this process. That person is what, who we refer to as the King Mashiach. In the Pasuk in the Tzavim, no, nowhere is it even hinted to that it's going to come about through a king. So the Rambam first brings a Pasuk about us all returning back. Now why does the Rambam bring it all together? We mentioned last week, we mentioned two weeks ago, that the purpose of Mashiach is in order to restore the observance of all of the commandments to all the Jewish people. One of the things that we need in order to be able to observe all of the mitzvahs is all of the Jewish people living in Israel. 
Ah, so it's related to one of the functions of Moshiach, yeah, but again, it doesn't mention that it has to come about through a person. If someone is going to read these verses in Parshas Nitzavim, well, there is a promise that, that God will gather all of the Jewish people at the end back to Israel, but where do you have an allusion to a person doing it? So that Amam now brings another source. And by divine providence, Hashgacha Pratis, Mamash Chitas of this week, Af Beparshas Bilam, right, this week is a double portion, Chukas, Balak. Now we call it Balak, but the Ramam calls it the portion of Bilam. Nemar, it says that Nemar Vesham Nibe, he writes and he prophesizes about two anointed ones, two Mashiachs. The first Mashiach, who is the first Mashiach? David. Going back to our first class, it's beautiful and simple and deep. The fact that Rambam coins Moshiach as Hamelech Hamoshiach. He's a king. And what, what is the first thing that Rambam writes? That Hamelech Hamoshiach is going to restore the Davidic, the Davidic monarchy. In other words, if we're looking for an example of a perfect monarchy, where there was one king over all of the Jewish people, and the king's purpose, the king's kavana, was not for him to be a king, but it was to inspire all of the Jewish people to keep all of the Torah. We already had that with David. So Bilam, who was way before David, prophesied about both Mashiachs. The first one, David. That saved the Jewish people from their oppressors. And and in the final Mashiach, that will get up from David Amelech's descendants. He's a biological grandchild of David. And what will he do? That he will save the Jewish people at the end of days, which is in our days. Now appreciate the following nuance. When we began this halacha, never did the Rambam mention that Mashiach will save us Right? The Ramam said that Mashiach is going to restore the Davidic uh, monarchy. David is, that Mashiach is going to build a temple. David is going to gather all the Jews. David is going to make sure that all of the Jewish people keep all of the mitzvahs. These are the four points with the example that well, we will even make Shemitah and Yoival. He gave these four categories. He never defined Mashiach as someone who's going to save us. Here he does. And that's a new nuance that we learned from the prophecies of Bilam. By the fact that Bilam juxtaposed two Mashiachs together, David HaMelech de facto saved us from our oppressors, so will be the function of Mashiach. Now really, the concept of someone saving us from our oppressors, as we'll explain in a moment, is included in the fact that Mashiach is called a king. Because the definition of a king or the function of the king, the first function of a king is to bring security, safety and security to his citizens. That's the first mitzvah on the king. For those of us who are learning one chapter of Ramah Madei, again, we just learned this, that what's the first mitzvah that is incumbent upon a king? Ramah writes, the first mitzvah is to destroy Amalek. Now, the Ramam writes later that we're not only referring to the um, biological Amalek, which halachically might no longer exist, but Amalek also is a, our nations, our peoples, who choose to oppress us. And the first mitzvah on the king is to annihilate Amalekim. Because indeed, if you can ask, you know, what's the main function of a, let's say, of a school to educate children? What's the main function of a, of a shul? to congregate Jews for davening, learning, and doing chesed. That's the function. It has to be done in a safe environment. So a school has to ensure that it's safe. A community center has to make sure that they are safe. But that's like a, me- a means to an end. That's like a, it's, it's secondary. Of course, it is of the utmost importance, but that's not the function. That's not the mission statement of a shul, right? A hospital, a mission statement is to heal people. A hospital has to make sure that they're doing it in the safest environment that they could. A king is not that way. The goal of a king, the first function of a monarchy, of a government, the first function is to provide safety. Interesting. 
Gewaldik, huh? So the so when the Rambam calls Mashiach Melech, and the Rambam just a few chapters ago wrote, when it comes to all Jewish kings, the first mitzvah upon a king, even before they build the, the temple, and all kings, even Davan HaMelech, the first function of a king is to provide safety and security to its citizens. That is why there is a government. If you think about it, that's, that's really what it, boil, what it boils down to. People give up their freedoms and defer to a government. People pay taxes to a government because of safety. That's the only reason. Really, I'll be traitor, there's no other reason. They are not here to educate us for that we have our Toyota and our rabbis. They are not here even to provide economy, provide parnasa, because Yiddishkeit believes in free enterprise. You have to work for yourself to make a parnasa. They are not even here to give out tzedakah, because it's not on the government to do that. We, right, we have to give our tithings, if it is from agriculture, if it, if it is from money, and we have to create organizations that take care of the sick, that heal the that heal the sick, the function of government according to Torah, and maybe you can call this particularly when it comes to a monarchy, is to annihilate Amalekim, which is Gavaldic. Okay, so therefore, yeah, there is an aspect of Mashiach saving us from our enemies, because for him to be Mashiach, we're calling him a king. For him to be a king, he has to function as a king. So we find in Bilam a prophecy regarding a person Really, there were many statements that were said by Bilam, as we'll learn Chitas this week, that were duplous, that were doubled up, because he was referring to two future events. First one was David, and the last one will be Moshiach. And he quotes many verses from this parsha. Ashuren karoiv, that indeed he's assured to come, but not right now. I'm sorry, Aden when, when he writes that, I see, Bilam says, I see, but it's not now. That is what he saw David. Ashurenu, it's for sure going to happen, but not that close from now, now going back 3,300 years, that refers to Melech HaMashiach. Dorach Koychav Miyakov, that a star will shoot out from David, from Yaakov, from Jacob, that refers to David. Vekom Shevet Mi Yisrael, and the staff is going to arise from the Jewish people, that refers to Melech HaMashiach. We're going through different verses in the, in this week's part, in this week's chitas, when it says, Umachatz Pasimoyov, that he's going to crush the Moabites, that goes to David. And now he's quoting a verse we find in the prophets referring to specific wars that David engaged against the Moabites. He's going to shake up the entire world, that goes to Melech HaMashiach. As, as it says regarding Mashiach, Umashloi, that he will dominate the world from sea to sea. From sea to sea, meaning the entire world. Because indeed, for Mashiach to save us from our enemies, this we know now, we have enemies all over the world. And, and we, there, there's going to be such safety and security for the Jewish people because he won't be defensive, Mashiach. Only after the attack comes in your face, right? Will he, he, he'll react to it. No, no, no. He's going to initiate. He's going to go through the whole world and he's going to wage war against all of our enemies and he's going to annihilate them. And therefore, there's going to be a tremendous amount of safety for the Jewish people. That Edom is going to be uh, conquered. That goes to what David already did. That, that David waged war against the Edomites which lived then more or less in Saudi Arabia before they moved to Rome and they became the slaves to David. And the ultimate inheritance that goes to the king Moshiach, as it says, that the inheritors, that the heirs are going to go up on Harzion and we're gonna, there's going to be a big judgment and God is going to be the king. So Rambam concludes this halacha by bringing so far two sources from the Torah. One source is really about the Messianic era. One source is about the ingathering of the exiles. And then the next source in Parshas Bilam, what we call Parshas Balak, it's about a person who primarily is defined as a king who's going to usher in this era. Now that Amam continues in the next halacha and he brings here a third, a third source. And it's very interesting, as the Rebbe points out, that the Ramam writes it in a separate halacha. We'll see soon in a moment. Also regarding the mitzvah of the cities of refuge. Now the Ramam here is referring to psukim that we have in the portion of Shoftim. 
The cities of refuge is a mitzvah that is incumbent not upon an individual, but upon a community, upon the community that lives in Israel, that when we conquered and settled the land, we have to designate certain locations, certain cities, to serve as cities of refuge. No, not cities of refuge for illegal immigrants. Cities of refuge that if a Jew inadvertently killed another person, even though they did so by accident, and there is no, so to say, they're not going to be killed in a based in for the act of murder because they did it by mistake, right? They manslaughtered. But nevertheless, the fact that another life was taken through them indicates that they lack respect towards human life. And they need to spend some time doing introspection and living amongst people that are spiritually more evolved for them to have a greater opportunity to reach a higher level of tshuva. And therefore, the cities that Levium primarily lived in, and Levium, because of the fact that they did not own land, they were supported by the larger community. And they didn't therefore just have free time on their hands. A human being ultimately realizes when he or she merits to have extra time to spend the bulk of that time to pursue knowledge. Ideally, godly knowledge and also all knowledge. And there's no end to that. And there's no greater evolvement of that. And there's no greater inner satisfaction and growth from that. And that's what the Levian primarily did. They didn't have to work to make a living. They were supported. So they spent their lives learning Torah. And therefore they became very uh, refined. Torah refines a Jew. It could be, it takes time. So learn more Torah. But sooner or later it refines all of us. So when a Yid who has to make an introspection is going to move to a city of refuge, a city in which Levim primarily live, that Jew will be in a setting that he or she will be able to reflect what is it that I did in the past, not inadvertently, what is it that I did in the past on purpose that somehow uh, indicates that I don't really honor other life and thus God, when he needed to take someone's life away, used me and the person will do true. Now, how many cities of refuge did God tell us to designate? God speaks about six. There were six, really three were in what we call the Transjordan. Three were in the countries that Moshe Rabbeinu conquered when he was still alive before we entered Israel. Three are Those three are more or less in Jordan. Then the other three are in Israel proper. And then it says in Parsha Shoiftim that Im Hashem that if God is going to expand your territory, and even though the word Im in Lashon Hakodesh normally means if, sometimes it means when. Here it doesn't mean if; it means when. That when God will expand your territory, and where and the land of Israel's borders will go, Mamish, it's, it's going all the way up to Turkey, and it's going all the way to the Euphrates. Can you imagine? That means it's going to include a big part of Iraq. It's going to include Saudi Arabia. All of that will be part of Israel proper. So it says in the Chumash, when that happens, God says, add in those territories another three cities. So says in Ambam that you have verses in the Torah speaking about the mitzvah of designating cities of refuge. Not six, but if God will expand the territory, add another three, a total of nine, we never had nine. We only had six. That expansion and thus the mitzvah of, of, of adding another three never happened. And God does not give a mitzvah for naught. So by the fact that the Torah speaks about a possibility, that possibility needs to happen. Now let me just share the following. You have certain uh, statements in the Torah that don't need to realize themselves. There are certain statements in the Torah, there are certain mitzvahs that are directly linked to human choice. And if we always choose A, then the mitzvah or the setting for the mitzvah will never come about. That We have no problem with that, right? So there's a mitzvah that when you have the ben soyer umayder, when you have a rebel, a child who's rebelling in a terrible way, and we're speaking about Dafka, a son, and he's between bar mitzvah and around three months after bar mitzvah, a little window, and he's already robbing people on the highway. Why is he robbing them? Because he's addicted to uh, meat and wine. 
Today it would mean he's addicted to drugs and he's already robbing people to feed his addiction. Under certain conditions, under certain circumstances, the Torah says such a person has to be put to death because eventually he's going to kill people. That never happened, the Gemara said. That doesn't bother us. Why doesn't it bother us is because any mitzvah that's linked to human behavior, well, then we can always say that if we, human beings, don't make the bad choices, then the need for that mitzvah never comes about. Right? There is a mitzvah to write a get. If all couples all always would have gotten along, then there never would have been a get. And it wouldn't be a problem. It's not that the trade is written in naught. The circumstances never came up. But when do we say that I don't mind that there are certain mitzvahs that are dependent on human choice, and therefore... If, the, if we never make choice A, the mitzvah will never come about. That's if it's dependent on human choice. But something that's solely dependent on God, like this, it doesn't say that if we'll behave good, we'll get more land. It says, Hashem that if God is going to expand the land, well, let God expand, expand Israel. Who's stopping him? And no one is. It's dependent on God. Something that's dependent on God will always happen. It's not a reaction to our choice, and there could be bad choice. It's God's doing, and therefore it's going to happen. It never happened yet. So that's an idea that there are certain events in this world that did not happen yet. And what event are we referring to? We are referring to the coming of Moshiach, and then he will add these three, these three cities. Now here we have another detail in the function of Moshiach. Like we mentioned above in the beginning, that Moshiach restores the Davidic monarchy, David builds the temple, David gathered, gathers the Jews, all of the mitzvahs go back to the way they used to be, right? Including we practice Shemitah and Yoivel. Everything that was mentioned right now already happened before with the first Moshiach, David, right? David established a monarchy, David built a temple. David means David and Shlema. During those days, all the Jews lived in Israel. We kept all the mitzvahs. So here the Ramam is adding one thing that never happened in the past. On one hand, it's important to remember that Moshiach is not a new idea. Moshiach is an old idea. You know what the old idea is? The old idea began by Sinai. God gave the Jewish people the mandate of keeping the mitzvahs. In order to keep the mitzvahs, there are certain preconditions. We have to, leave, we have to live in safety. We have to ultimately live in Israel. And when these conditions are there, then indeed we have the opportunity to keep the mitzvahs, and then the leader will inspire us to do so. That already happened. So first of all, Mashiach is not coming to do something that never happened before. It already happened. That also makes it more real. It's not something which becomes less far-fetched. It already happened. You know, if it happened once, it'll happen again. But don't think that he's only going to bring back that which happened. There won't be any addition. There'll be an addition. Not in principle. The same concept. Mashiach will, will, will finally bring into the reality of the world that the Jewish people are keeping the mitzvahs. But you know what? You know what will be new? We never had this part of the mitzvah. So if, did we ever keep all of the 613 mitzvahs? Ever, ever? The answer is that the closest we got was 612 and two-thirds. Mamish. 612, two-thirds. Means we kept all the mitzvahs in the times of David and Shlema, including Shemitah and Yoivel. We had a temple. We even designated cities of refuge. But there were three cities that we never designated because we never yet had those territories. So in other words, there is a, there is a detail of a mitzvah that never happened yet. So this source, it's not that Amam is bringing Stam three sources. From these three sources, we see many things. First of all, we see that we're going to be in gathered into Israel. We see over here that Moshiach is a savior. We see over here that the function of Moshiach is to bring about the observance of all of the commandments. Not most of them. Not 612 and two-thirds. You can argue it's already the majority. No. All of the shlemus, everything will be fulfilled, and that's something that never happened in the past. And then Amam writes that all of these are the sources that we have in the Chumash. So we have a source from Parshas Netzavim, we have a source from Parshas Bilam, we call Balak, and then we have a source from Parshas Shoiftim. But the moment you go to the books of the prophets, you don't have to prove anything. 
one verse, another verse, it's filled with it. Okay, and now my friends, this will be the most important part of that which we will learn today. Based on all of the above, based on all of the above, that Mashiach's purpose is to restore the observance of the mitzvahs. When people begin to think about the person Mashiach, let me tell you the mistake that many people make and that Amam is correcting it right now in the following halacha. The more magical the King Moshiach becomes, the less it becomes about keeping mitzvahs and the more it becomes of this new magical existence. Mitzvahs, mind you, have nothing to do with above the laws of nature. Mitzvahs is not about magic. Mamish, I mean, at least we keep some of them. Mitzvahs are mitzvahs, eating kosher, keeping Shabbos, right? V'chulei v'chulei. We know mitzvahs. Actually, we're not allowed to use a miracle to perform a mitzvah. Did you know that? You know, there are many beautiful Hasidic stories, just sharing one, when the Altarebbe was arrested and he was taken to a jail on a little island and when he was brought to interrogation, so they would boat him into the capital Petersburg from jail on a boat like the I in the Rikers Island of, of the of the of the of the of the Tsar. Now when the Rama, when the Altareba was in the cell, he was unable to say Kiddush Levana. Kiddush Levana is a prayer that customarily women do not make, but it's a very important prayer for men to make once a month. And there's a limit. Al Pikabala, you really only have one one week window in an entire month to make that to make that uh, prayer at night. You have to see the moon, the moon has to be visible. The Altareba was in a cell. But when, they, when he was on a boat and they were taking him into the uh, interrogation, the Altarebbe asked the captain, the captain, the guy that was moving, the, the guy in charge, please stop the boat for me to say the prayer. Halachically, you have to say the prayer stationary. Now, if you are in a boat, I know the boat is, you know, is, is, is a boat, but it's called stationary if it's not moving with, with propulsion. If the wind blows it a little bit, it doesn't matter. And the person refused. And the Altarebbe miraculously had the boat stop. And the captain tells the Altarebbe, you got to rele- you got to stop doing what you're doing. So the Altarebbe says, I'll stop, I'll release the boat, but on the condition that you stop it for the 10 minutes that I need to say the prayer. And he acquiesced. So the Altarebbe released his spell, and then the captain stopped the ship, and the Altarebbe said his prayer. So the Rebbe, when he related the story, asked, I don't understand, the Altarebbe needed to say the prayer. He already stopped the ship. Why is he negotiating with the captain of the ship? Say the prayer and release the ship and shalom. Says the Rebbe, no. That mitzvahs cannot be performed even even through the pre-mitzvah stage having having been done through a miracle. The Al-Tarebbe needed for the boat to stop naturally. And then the mitzvah is a valid mitzvah. In other words, mitzvahs are not about going into the world of the magical. Mitzvahs are not about going into the miraculous. Dafke not, not it's, it, there's no need. Dafke love. Mitzvahs means that I'm living in this world bound by its rules. And in this world, I'm keeping God's commandments. I'm bringing God into this world. The moment miracles begin to happen, it's no longer this world. Now, it can be, you can be in the same house, you can have the same blue sky, but if it's a miraculous phenomena, then it's not this world in which God wants to have a home. So, being that Moshiach's purpose is to bring about the Jewish people's full observance of all of the mitzvahs in this world, Mashiach is not connected to the miraculous. So let's go on. And don't even allow it to go up into your head. That King Mashiach that will have to do oisos. And ois, a sign, just to know halachically, a sign means predicting the future. Parenthetically, the Rambam himself wrote, earlier on, that Mashiach will be a huge prophet, almost as great as Moses. And that Amam himself also wrote that the main function of a prophet is to predict the future. That Amam is not saying that Mashiach will not be a prophet. He's not saying that. Mashiach will be a prophet. 
But when you think about the King Moshiach, the function of Moshiach is not dependent on him being a prophet. Even if he won't be a prophet, he'll be the same Moshiach. It's not the prophet in him that makes him into Moshiach. And therefore, he doesn't have to predict the future. He doesn't have to perform wonders. Making a, a, a ness. He does not have to be machadesh devarim ba'olam. He doesn't have to bring anything new, new meaning out of out of worldly into the world, or he doesn't have to bring back the dead, or anything similar to that. It's not that way. That Amman brings a historical proof that in the days of the great Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva was from the greatest tanoim that we ever had in our history, living around living around 1900, 2000 years ago, he was Chacham Gadol, he was a great sage from the Chachamim of the era of the Mishnah. And Vuhu Hoyun Noisa Kalev Shel Ben Kuziva Hamelech. As we know, around, around 70 years after the second temple was destroyed, in year 132, saying around because the second temple was destroyed either in year 68 or in year 69 or in year 70. There was that much of a Machloikis. In year 132, came about a, a Yid who was observant. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a Rebbe. He wasn't a Tzaddik. He was an observant Jew. He kept the mitzvahs and he re- made a revolt against the Romans. Revolt meaning he wasn't trying to conquer Rome, but yes, he was trying to get the Rome out of Israel. And he had tremendous success. And he declared himself being Melech Mashiach. And Nabakiva agreed to it. Nabakiva felt that he's Melech Mashiach. And not only that, Nabakiva carried his utensils. Or Nabakiva, the greatest sage, became subservient to what the Ramam calls Ben Koiziva. And Vuhu Hoyo Oimer Olive and Nabakiva said regarding Ben Koiziva that he is King Mashiach. And it wasn't only Rabakiva, but Vedima, Hu, Vachol, he and all of the other sages of that era thought that, that Ben Koziva is Melech Moshiach, until because of the sins, either the sins of the generation or the sins of Ben Koziva, he failed. And it was a terrible failing because when we lost that revolt, we lost the revolt in Betar, and more Jews got killed by that downfall, then they were killed in year 6970 when the second temple was destroyed. Millions and millions of Jews were murdered in that, when the Romans finally got the upper hand. Kevin Shenetag, once he got killed, then we discovered that he's not. Now, no one ever asked for Ben Koziva he should predict the future. They did not ask of him that he should perform a miracle. And he wouldn't have because he wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a miracle worker. He was an observant Jew whose goal was to get Rome out of Israel to build the third temple. His goal was to have all the Jews keep all the mitzvahs. That was the function of Moshiach. So the Iker hadvarim kachahein. This is the Iker. What's the Iker? That that our Torah, its statutes, umishpoteha and its rules, they are forever. You don't add to them. And you don't diminish from them. Now, what does the Rama mean by saying that this Torah is forever? You don't add and you don't subtract. Many people erroneously learn Pshat and the Rambam that he's taking a jab at the Christians. Because the Christianity, all types of Christianities, all of them share one common heresy amongst many other idol worship concepts and other terrible ideas. But there's a common kfira that they claim that observance of mitzvahs is no longer necessary. All that is necessary for salvation is belief. I'm not even going into believing in what. Forget about that. The concept, the concept that belief saves that is where they are diminishing from the Torah. The Torah says salvation comes about through my observance. And they change that. Now why does the Rama mention about this? Why is it Negea here in Mashiach? So the Rebbe beautifully learns Pshat in the Rambam that the Rambam is not telling you that the Christians are wrong. The Rambam wants to emphasize that the person Mashiach is not a miracle worker. He's not a prophet that foresees the future. He's not a dead resurrector. 
etc., etc. Because if you were to believe in that, you are adding to the belief in Moshiach and we're not allowed to do so. Again, we become a heretic. The whole concept of Moshiach is not even that much that he's going to save us from our oppressors. That's secondary. That, that makes him into a king, but he's, you, don't, you don't have to be Moshiach to, to afford protection and safety. Moshiach, Melech Moshiach is the Yid that's going to enable all of us to keep all the mitzvahs. And mitzvahs have nothing to do with miracles. Mitzvahs have nothing to do with foretelling the future. Yiddishkeit is about Torah observance. It's very important. It doesn't mean that if there is a tzaddik and we have access to the tzaddik, that we should not ask the tzaddik for a bracha, for a miracle. Nothing wrong with that. Go directly to God if you, if you don't have a tzaddik and ask God for a miracle. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But that's not the function of Moshiach. Moshiach is not here to be a Rebbe. Moshiach is not here to be a tzaddik. Moshiach is not here to be a prophet. And linking these two ideas together, that Amam calls it heretical. Because you are adding two ideas in the Torah. Very powerful this. We should deeply appreciate what the Ramam here is trying to communicate. So when we speak about, I believe in Mashiach, the whole image, the image of Mashiach, as the Ramam, we're going to continue next week, God willing, like Mashiach himself, the main criterion for Mashiach is a Jew that's observant. Not only is he observant, but he inspires the Jews around him to be observant, or to use our words, frum. Mashiach is a frum, a person who gets every Jew to become frum. That's the function of Mashiach. And that's the ultimate goal of the entire creation. Any questions? I have a question. Um, you mentioned that there's going to be three Ari Miklad after Mashiach comes. Yes. Three new cities? Yeah. So that's for when people accidentally kill another person. No, no, let me, let me clarify something, Yafa. It's needed for a manslaughterer. But we have to designate them even if no one will ever manslaughter. In other words, the mitzvah, God gave us a mitzvah. The mitzvah is to designate those cities. You understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah, for those, what I'm trying to say is, is that this mitzvah is completely independent whether it's used by a manslaughterer or not. I can even argue that after Mashiach, no one is going to kill inadvertently. Could be. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. But those, yeah, but the mitzvah is to separate those cities. God, you know, it's when God gives, God gives a mitzvah, we're doing the mitzvah. You know what? There isn't even a mitzvah to run away there. It's not a mitzvah, it's like common sense. You might as well make use of. The mitzvah is, the mitzvah is to designate those cities. I'll give you an example, Yaffa. In the temple, do you know that there were certain door passageways that were never used and they'll never be used? No, that's that. That's fascinating. Yeah. Okay, so I think we made when we made the siyum on Kachim, we made it in the Homamis, Roshana's here. So we learned we learned about that. We learned about the structure of the temple. I think there we learned in our sukkah that 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 there is there is certain there's a passageway that is never going to be used. And now we learned even angels don't use it. None of us, doesn't matter. God wanted us to make it. You, you, you can build a doorway even if you're never going to use it. But there has to be a deeper meaning to it. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. I'm just, I, I know. So Yeah, but the point is, is that when God tells us you build, you God made the blueprint for the temple. I want you to build A, Y, and Z. Build it, build it. That you, when you did what God wanted, you did the mitzvah. Even, even if you know the purpose and, and independent of its serving the f- purpose, if the mitzvah is to build it according to these uh, blueprints, I fulfill the mitzvah when I built it according to these blueprints. Same thing with uh, the, the Ari Miklat. The Ari Miklat have to be designated. I know there's a purpose for them. Doesn't matter. There's a mitzvah to separate them. Independent of manslaughter. God told me to separate them. Um, I just have another question. Sure. So thank you. Um, oh yeah, will Mashiach uh, rule over the world or it's just Israel? Oh no, Mashiach will have to rule over the world as we're going to learn t- next week. That Ramam actually quoted the Pasuk, Because a little heads up, Mashiach's function begins with the Jewish people, which is basically to inspire all of us to keep all of the mitzvahs. And Moshiach has to inspire all of the goyim to keep all of the Shavah mitzvahs b'nei noyach. 
And in order for, for him to have that influence, he has to be a ruler over the whole world. So like this, halachically, we already spoke about it. It could be, it could be that halachically, could be Yafa, the entire world will have the Kedusha of Israel. And if that happens, then physically everyone stays put. And all of the Goyim, by the way, a Goy is not allowed to live in Israel if they don't undertake to keep the seven Noahide laws because God commanded them to undertake that. If not, they're put to death. If the whole world becomes halachic Israel, then all of the Goyim will have to almost by force, undertake to keep all the Sheva Mitzvahs. If not, they won't have where to live. They can go live at Mars. Maybe that's why Musk is running to Mars. Okay. Isn't to hate. Okay, thank you. Uh, Rabbi, I have a question about your opening statement regarding the soul. Yes. Um, you, you didn't go back to it. I didn't answer. Correct. I know I didn't answer it. I just wanted to point out that we should be cognitive that there are certain fundamentals in Yiddishkeit that are not written in the five books of Moses. But Claudius, you know, I, I, let me, let me, you want to go back, I want to go back, I, I'm not going to answer it now, we can make a whole series that Amman wrote a lot of pages on it. I just want to add one important point. When you tell a Jew, Torah, what comes to your head? Let me ask you, what is the Torah? Answer. No, that's the wrong the story answer. Of our no, no, stop, stop, stop. Don't look at the, the 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 goyim will answer scripture, and that's wrong. The main, the iker Torah is the oral Torah. In the oral Torah, we have we have about the afterlife, and we have about Gan Eden, and we have many other details about Moshiach. However, it's important for us to have at least as a hint all of the ideas in the Torah should be hinted to in the written word. The Torah is like a code. There are so many different levels of understanding the books of the five books of Moses. And the letters can be rearranged in so many different ways. That's more, it's more of a code. Which is why you really cannot learn the mitzvahs from the written book. And the proof is, look at all of the billions of people, billions, that believe in the written book and they all practice different religions. Because you cannot get the will of God from the written book at all, on purpose. So in other words, I just, I just, I'm, Monica, I didn't answer the question, I minimized the question. No, it shouldn't really bother us that, it, it, nowhere, that it's not written in scripture that there's an afterlife. Who cares? Our, our base is not on the written book at all. Our base is based on the oral title. So you're saying that scripture is, is a non-Jewish concept? No, no, no. God forbid. No, God has for Scripture was given to us by Moshe. I'm saying that it, 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 there are so many parts to the Torah, right? So when, when I tell you, ah, we know from the Torah, a Yid is not primarily referring back to Scripture. Because just from Scripture, you know very little. And, and worse... Actually, there are many things that are written in a way that appears opposite of what God wants. Opposite. There are many sects that they follow the letter of the law. And, and, and they do things terribly against the will of God. Torah primarily refers to the oral tradition that God taught Moshe. That Moshe passed down to, to, to his generation and it went orally down all the way to us. That is the Torah. Now we have the scripture. And it's important to find the Torah in the scripture. So even Moshiach, the word Moshiach is not written, doesn't bother me. I don't need it to be written. How to keep Shabbos is also not written, it doesn't bother me. How to write a mezuzah is also not written. Mamish, how to shecht an animal is bachlal not written. The whole Yiddish guy that we practice is not written. If someone has no knowledge and they read the five books of Moses, they don't come to anything near Yiddish guy, not even near they come close to Christianity or to Islam. They come close to other religions that have nothing to do with us. Zero. They're, heret they're heretics. Well, I never heard it expressed that way. Thank you. Good. I'm saying so. Elama? No, it's great. I, I have one more question, and that's regarding the, um, the battle that Rabbi Akiva lost. Bar Kokhba lost. Rabbi Akiva didn't lose the battle. Yeah. Bar Kokhba, right. Bar Kokhba. Yeah. Was that he didn't pray to Hashem before he went to battle. 
Actually, the Gemara goes into greater detail. It wasn't, it wasn't only that he didn't pray, but the Gemara, he was so physically strong, he was like a superman. Not, not miraculously, but he was a very mighty warrior, is that he actually told God, God, I don't need your help. I'm good. Just don't help them. That's what he told God. Don't get mixed in. Don't help them. I don't need you to help me. On my own, I can take care of them. Sadly, that's, what, that's, how, that's how much his success went into his head. Correct. Sad, very sad. Point, but the point of this whole story is, is that most people, just to close today, really most people, they have a wrong image of Mashiach. Now again, the Ramam himself writes that Mashiach de facto will be a prophet. But that's not, that's not the Mashiach part of him. He happens to be a prophet. Mashiach, because people had the, the Mashiach is the moment that all of us will keep all the mitzvahs. I think the more people yearn for Mashiach, the more they become observant automatically. Because if the whole Mashiach is about the observance of the mitzvahs, so that's going to already make me observe whatever I could right now. Or to word it differently, it's impossible to want Mashiach and not to be observant. Impossible. Then you don't want Mashiach. What do you want? Now, if Mashiach's main function would be to save us from our enemies, then could be. We always need salvation. But that's not the main function of Mashiach. That's a function of a king. All kings have that function. A government is that which brings safety. If, if you live in a society in which the government doesn't bring safety, that means there is no government. That's the dismantling. That's the collapse of government. It's, it's not a symptom. It's, it's the Iker. Government, by Yiddishkeit, Be'ikir. The goal of government is to bring safety. That's Melech. But the Mashiach part is not to bring safety to the Jewish people. It's to inspire all of us to keep all the mitzvahs. And that even is going to allow us to envision a Mashiach person. So who is a Mashiach? Who's Mashiach? A person who is observant and whose life is to inspire others to keep mitzvahs. That's a messianic character. Not a messianic character, a miraculous character. Not a messianic character, someone like even Bar Kokhba. Bar Kokhba didn't want to kick the, the Romans out just to kick them out. Because we want to be free. It wasn't the American Revolution. No, Bar Kokhba wanted to build a temple. He wanted to do the mitzvahs. The Romans did not let us. So he says, you're not letting us? Get out. Even, even his whole rebellion, the Iker wasn't the Rome. The, the Iker was the temple. Actually, the Romans, before his revolt, were not persecuting us terribly. There was persecution before the temple was destroyed. But right afterwards, they let, they let, us, they let us observe. But not, not with the temple. But Kochba wanted a temple, that was the conflict. So it was a religious conflict. It was religious in the context, not that he was trying to make them accept Yiddishkeit. We will never, we never did that, nor will we ever do that. Religious means that I want to keep all my mitzvahs. And part of that means I got to build a temple. Wanting Mashiach without wanting a temple doesn't go, doesn't go together. You'll find, interestingly, Jewish people that sadly are not yet yearning for Mashiach together. They're not yearning for the temple. They're fine without a temple. It's mamash linked. The building of the temple and, and Adi Miklat and all the mitzvahs. Mashiach synonymous to mitzvah observance. Thank you so much. Good chavre to be continued. And when this class was dedicated, Le'iloi Nishmas Menashe Ben, either Zalaman or Salaman. May his neshama have an aliyah. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.